King of Kings, how are you today? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Melissa, worship team, all you guys. You know what? Some of the things you don't know is how versatile these folks are. There's Wilbur. He's going to try to be humble. Look at him. He thinks he's getting out of here. You can put them on different instruments. You know, we put them on drums, and Matan will come out on guitar. Emmanuel will be on keys. Miss will be singing, then she'll be on keys. You know, this is an amazing team. Praise the Lord. But welcome, King of Kings family. We're so glad you're back home with us today. We say Shavuot Sameach to you. A couple of days early. I understand it's a couple of days early. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us by your grace and commands us to count the Omer. And today is the 46th day. That means Shavuot is right around the corner. It starts on Thursday evening. Now something, and my apologies for how long the announcements were, but listen, you may be saying, there's no way I caught all of that. Don't worry. Don't worry. While I was in the back, I got a text from our media team, and they said, the calendar is ready. When do you want me to send it? I said, it will be sent out tomorrow. So if you are already a receiver of our newsletter, everything that was just up there will show up in your email tomorrow. So breathe easy. You can join in everything with us. And then something that didn't even make it on the announcements because it was just formed informally this week, a multi-congregation, very informal prayer night this Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. in the Celebration Center. Pastors from all over Jerusalem have invited their keilot, so I'm inviting you. Please go to the Celebration Center, 7.30 on Shavuot if you want to pray with us all there. Now, if it was Shavuot, I would be saying the Shehechianu, but it's not quite there yet. We would even say Eloheinu, Veloheavoteinu, but we're not quite there yet. So I want to keep it straightforward tonight. Welcome everybody watching online tonight as well. Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, other platforms around the world. We welcome you. I did get a note. We have people tonight from Poland watching and Belize watching tonight as well. Many, many countries around the world. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word of God today? Good. Hallelujah. You ever just felt weak? Melissa does. It's the only one I could hear. Raise your hand if you feel weak tonight. Anybody feel weak? Yeah? Okay. Listen, I want to go ahead and give you a preface that our prayer team needs to have yourself ready. So if you're on our prayer team, you're part of our prophetic council and our prayer team or any of our deacons and deaconesses, uh, prepare yourself to pray up front when we're done tonight. We don't have the deeper connection, so this is going to be the, the prayer ministry time. And you know what? I did look over to my left, and I saw a friend. Hey, Cindy. How are you? Good to see you tonight. Bless you. All right, we're going to dive in. Here we go. Shavuot. Shavuot, friends, the Feast of Weeks, as you know, it's a wheat harvest. Now, I don't know how many of you care about that. I do. Someone who enjoys farming, I fancy myself a little bit of a farmer. I've had the opportunity to grow many different things in my life, some of them successfully, many of them not so successfully. As a matter of fact, when we had a house over in in the Modi'in area, we had raised bed gardens, and we did really well one year with zucchini. I don't know how that translates into your language, but zucchini. It's like a long cucumber-looking thing. 
And we grew them really well. It was my best crop of the year until a wild boar, a wild pig came into the neighborhood and hopped in my bed. I didn't know pigs could jump. I've been told pigs can fly, but this pig was jumping. And he ate all of my zucchini. I didn't appreciate that. You know, I wanted to, in the authority of the Lord, call out, you unkosher beast, you know. Get out of my yard. But Shavuot is a wheat harvest festival. Now, here's a little background because I know you're very interested about farming. I can see it on your face. I'm, I'm getting a vibe. And you're like, Pastor, I need to know. Well, you came to the right place. You sow barley and wheat at the same time at the end of the fall, about November-ish, around there, depending on the, the temperature. Barley and wheat. But barley grows faster, and so you harvest it earlier, right around Yom HaBikorim, first fruits, the unleavened bread week of Passover. That becomes what we call the first first fruits of the year, is barley. And when you know about how long you need more days until the wheat is ready, about 50 days, and then the wheat is ready, and that's why you count the Omer, you're looking forward to what God is going to do. You're believing in faith for the next harvest, physically, spiritually, relationally. And about 50 days later, here comes the wheat, and you harvest it. Now, listen, I tell you that just so you understand that your faith in God should be strong. He doesn't do accidents. He doesn't do random. He's very timely. He's very planned out. He's very organized. So if you're the kind of person who puts your closet clothes in color order, you would love God. He's very orderly. If you fold your clothes very neatly and you put them in drawers and you have your drawers labeled, you would enjoy my wife. You would also enjoy God. I use those analogies because I have four children, three of which are not orderly at all. That's the three girls. My boy, just like me, he likes it all tight, you know? The girls, can we come in your room? No. Why? Because you'll mess it up. That's what he tells the girls. You'll mess it up. But this Feast of Shavuot is not just only about the wheat harvest. It's not only about the second first fruits of the year, if you understand my meaning, because you're supposed to be giving offering. And what's interesting about, first, uh, about Shavuot and, and its first fruit is on this particular day, you're supposed to bring as much as you can based on how the Lord has blessed you. So how it worked traditionally was you didn't just go get the corners of your field or just get your 10%. You were, you were really challenging your spirit to bring as much as you thought you could release and still take care of your family throughout the year, right? That's trusting God. That's saying, God, you've, you've blessed me so much. I'm giving as much as possible to you. And that was one of the unique things about this holiday. Another unique thing about the holiday is we believe traditionally that it was the day in which the law of God was given. Now, I know we're about to get into, yeah, Pastor Chad, but what about the Spirit being given? Well, we're going to get to that. But before the Spirit was given in Acts chapter 2, the law was given first in Exodus 34. As a matter of fact, let me read you a few verses from this. Exodus 34, 22. 
You shall celebrate the feast of weeks, that is, the first fruits of the wheat harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the turn of the year. Also found in the very same chapter, chapter 34 of Exodus, is the story of the giving of the law, and that's why they connect the two holidays traditionally. Look at verse 28. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. That's a foreshadowing, by the way, that he receives the law of God and at the same time he's touched by the presence of God so much that he's glowing on the outside. This is somewhat of what the apostles and the disciples of Yeshua experienced in Acts chapter two, that they experienced the tongues of fire and the wind and the heat and everything that was going on in the upper room. Moses experienced some of that to the extent that his face was impacted with the glow. And as a matter of fact, for the the foreseeable future, he would have to cover his face when he came back to talk to the people. They would say, we can't look at you. You've been in the presence of God, and he would cover his face. And when he went back into God's presence, he would lift the veil, and he would just be purely in God's presence. So that's where that tradition comes from, because it says, for 40 days and 40 nights. Well, you understand that after Passover, you're only going to count from that Sabbath 50 days. So there was a few days, and then 40 of them, Moses was gone. So he comes back down, and they connect those two mathematically, and they say, this is the Feast of Shavuot. There are more details given on this holiday. From Numbers 28, it says it's a Sabbath festival, so make sure you take a day off of your regular work. Do something enjoyable. Do something with your family. Worship, pray, spend time with the Lord. Deuteronomy 16 goes on to say, then you shall celebrate the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God with a tribute of a freewill offering of your hand, which you shall give just as the Lord your God has blessed you. So again, there's that history of on top of what you normally would give and what you would measure out, there's a free will offering, give as much as you think you're able to give and go above that and beyond. This particular year, as I meditated in the scriptures on this holiday, I found some very interesting connections that I hadn't seen before. One of them was from the story of Samson in Judges chapter 15. You remember when Samson went back to take his Philistine wife and the father had given the wife away that made Samson kind of mad? And then it says that he collected 300 foxes. So this is, you don't talk about Samson this way. A lot of times you think about Samson, he's strong. No, Samson was fast. You gotta be pretty quick to catch 300 foxes. Let me go back to my farming analogy for a second. Because I know you're itching to hear it. Another true story. It's the same farm where the wild pig stole all of my zucchini. We had about 20 chickens. Pastor Wayne, you remember, you were there. You had dinner with us that night, you know. And we built this fence that was about eight feet high. I don't know why my hands are like this. Eight feet is like way up there. I was like, Pastor Chad thinks he's eight foot tall. No, it's, it's quite a bit. You know, think about Kurt and then go up a little bit more, Pastor Kurt. 
We had jackals who were in the fox family, if you know anything about the wild jackals and the coyotes. They jumped over the eight-foot fence and ate all of my chickens. Yeah, I was a little bit of surprise the next morning. I went out and collected the eggs as usual. No eggs, no chickens, just feathers everywhere. And we realized we, we got to go better. We had to go up to 12 feet with the fence, put mesh around it, wire. Catching 300 foxes, I can't even imagine it. Because one time I came out there later and I saw the jackals out there. Now, in a former time in my life, in a place that I used to live that wasn't Israel before I made Aliyah and became a citizen of Israel, we have these things called guns. <laughs> it would have been very easy for me to grab my gun and take care of that jackal. However, Israel has different rules. All I had was a sword. <laughs> I'm not kidding. When I moved to Israel, somebody from my former congregation gave me a sword prophetically. They were like, you know, preach the word, pastor. The, the word of the Lord is the sword of the spirit. You know, and I was like, okay. You know, I took it. It was a beautiful gift. And that's all I had. So bright in the morning, the sun has just come out. There's water still in the grass. I'm in my jammies. I throw my, my mud boots on. I grab my sword. And I go chasing these foxes. And I was thinking, how did Samson do this? Because he didn't have a gun. But that happened on Shavuot, by the way. That was my whole point in telling that great story. A lot of fun stuff happened on Shavuot. Remember when Ruth visits Boaz for the first time? During the wheat harvest of Shavuot. That was what we call a meat cute. Raise your hand if you know what a meat cute is. All right, we got a couple of movie buffs. Listen, I'm giving you all kind of knowledge tonight. This is great. Take notes. Meat cute is in a movie the very first time that the male star and the female star meet. And it's always in this special, cute way. They bump into each other. They both spill something and they butt heads or whatever it is. It's called a meat cute. Well, the meat cute of Ruth and Boaz happened on Shavuot. Pretty cool. First Samuel chapter six, the ark of God was returned from the Philistine camp to the Israelites. Remember on the cart with the, with the cattle? A lot of fun stuff happened. But God often does these special moments on his special days. And we don't want to overlook that. So as we get into the New Testament now, we're looking at Acts chapter two, because I promised you we would go there. Acts chapter two, and, and we know that the disciples were faithful to pray into the night. They were probably reading all of their traditional texts from Zechariah and Malachi and Joel and the different scriptures that you traditionally read as you approach Shavuot. And then the Holy Spirit falls on them Wind, tongues of fire, they're touched. They start speaking in other languages. People can understand these languages. The religious people are, of course, there because Shavuot is a pilgrimage festival. It's a commanded day that the men of Israel had to be in the temple courts. 
So there they are in the temple courts, obedient Jewish followers, and the Holy Spirit breaks out. They begin to speak in other tongues. Peter goes to the balcony. They start accusing them of being drunk. And Peter's like, hey, this is not Purim. We are not drunk as you suppose. That's a little joke for anybody that lives here in Israel. If you're a visitor, go look it up. We don't believe in getting drunk. Just to clear that up, go look it up. But he says, we're not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. And then he goes on to give this first great evangelistic gospel message. And that's what we're going to focus on tonight. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, Repent and be immersed, every one of you, in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You see, in this chapter, as we're going to read a little bit more, Peter quotes from the book of Joel about the pouring out of the Spirit. And Peter was not only connecting the giving of the Spirit to the adults that he was speaking to, but he also wanted to make sure that the people understood that the gift was for the children as well. Parents, hear me. The gift of the Holy Spirit isn't just for you. It's for your children. One of the great tips I would give any parent is when you have to go into a disciplinary situation, ask your child before you have to assert yourself, what is the Holy Spirit telling you? And give them a chance to practice. Now, sometimes they'll, they'll tell you, no, nothing. So you felt like hitting your brother was okay. Holy Spirit didn't tell you anything about that? Nope. I feel like it was okay. Like, okay, well, we need to work on hearing the voice of the Lord then. But oftentimes, we go to our children and we say, the attitude you just had, before I address it, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And you'll find your children will discipline themselves much more because you're training them to hear from the Holy Spirit. And Peter wants the parents to get this. It's not just for you, it's for you and your children, those close and those far off, he says. And he quotes from Joel chapter two. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And that's how you know you're aging. <laughs> that's the measure. When you start to dream Watch out. Take some vitamins, you know. You're getting old. I don't dream anything. I don't know. I... <clears throat> Stick with me. But what I did notice in this great sermon of Peter's is that he doesn't seem to emphasize some things you might think he would emphasize in the first great evangelistic sermon. And that's what caught my attention. It was what wasn't there is what caught my spirit and said, stop right there, focus. So I want to read it to you a little bit in its entirety. So just relax a minute. Let the word of God wash over you. Acts chapter two, I'm going to go up and start in verse 20 and I'll work my way down to verse 39. 
He says, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Yeshua of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourself know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I'm gonna jump to verse 29. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that this patriarch, David, died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Yeshua to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Yeshua, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be immersed, every one of you in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord your God will call. And that was the sermon. So what I'm gonna teach you over the next few minutes is not only what was left out, but why it was left out. What was emphasized and why it was emphasized. And hopefully from that, we're gonna take a turn right at the end, and we're gonna look at ourselves and try to grab the same lesson that Peter gave them for our own life. That's our goal. Now, here's a couple of things that Peter did focus on. He mentions the death of Messiah. He mentions the resurrection of Yeshua, the ascension of Yeshua, the forgiveness of sins, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. All of that is mentioned. But it might surprise you to realize what he did not mention. He never mentioned eternal life. Seemed like a big one. Of all of the things you want to say in your very first sermon, it seems like you'd want to mention eternal life. That wasn't where Peter's focus was. He doesn't mention heaven, going to heaven. He doesn't mention we go to heaven. That's never mentioned in the whole sermon. He says Yeshua ascended, but he never says anything about us. I found that interesting. No eternal life in the sermon and no heaven in the sermon. Seems like those would be your selling points. He never mentions other things like the rapture or miracles that we're going to do, or the great life we're going to live, or what a great job we're going to have, or how much money's going to be in our bank account, and how much people are certainly going to love us. None of that is mentioned. So all of those normal selling points that you think would be in a, a presentation of the gospel, 
to draw people to its interest. In that moment, under the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not what Peter was led to speak on. Now, just to be clear, all of those topics that he did not mention, we affirm them. We believe in them. They should be in most of our sermons and our lessons and our teachings. We're not saying they should be left out. We're only saying that for some reason Peter left them out in this particular moment. So now hopefully you're curious. Why did he leave it out? Well, perhaps the audience is the reason for his focus. What I mean is this. Peter knows he's speaking to religious Jews who are at the temple for the pilgrimage festival of Shavuot. He knows that these men are well-versed in the scriptures and in the prophets. So Peter takes the opportunity to connect on what they know and what they've been studying in preparation to Shavuot. You understand? He, he knows what he's... Peter knows Judaism. He, he knows what they're all about. He knows what they've been studying. He knows it's fresh on their mind because they just came out of the parashat Shavua. He knows what they've been reading. And he takes that moment and he says, that's what I'm going to connect with. I'm going to connect with what is fresh on your mind, fresh on your heart. He knows they have just been looking at Joel, and that's why he quotes the prophecy from Joel, right in the midst of him. He says, the thing you saw, that was part of Joel. And then he goes on to say, not only is it the giving of the Spirit, it's the forgiveness of sins, because he knows they know Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31 is the chapter that is so foundationally a pillar of Judaism, because it's the prophecy of the new covenant being given. Here, I'll read it to you. Jeremiah 31, 33, and 34. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their heart. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. You see what Peter is doing is he's saying, guys, remember the prophecy of the new covenant coming, that's today. Remember the prophecy of the spirit being poured out, that's today. Peter isn't just neglecting certain topics in the gospel, what he's trying to do is he's connecting with what they know and what's happening in real time. That's why he chooses what he chooses, or he's led by the Spirit to choose these things at this moment. It's the concept of ministering in real time. Last week, Pastor Wayne and I did a two-part series to all of our leaders in the King of Kings family in Israel and around the world. Part of our class was preparation for preaching. The other part of our class was the delivery of the sermon. And one of the things we teach all of our leaders is that while you have notes, for sure, you have to be able to speak and listen all at the same time. Because while we certainly trust that the Lord would give you the words to say in your preparation, 
He may also throw a little nugget to you in real time. And I think that's what Peter's going through. That whatever he had stood up to say right at the beginning, he was listening. And he, remember, he's filled with the Holy Spirit now. Don't forget, it just happened a few minutes ago. So he's walking under fresh anointing. And he's saying, oh, I'm going to connect with what they're, they've been studying, what they've been reading, what they know. I'm going to connect with them on what's happening in real time. They were literally watching the results of the new covenant happening in front of them. They were literally watching the result of the Holy Spirit promise happening in front of them. And that's what Peter's trying to get them to realize. Hey, guys, this isn't a weird thing that you're experiencing right now. See, he has to get it, he has to get it out of the weird and into the prophecy fulfillment category. And he has to do it quickly because they're already starting to say weird things like, oh, they're drunk. Now they're talking in weird languages. These, these Mishichi, these Messianic Jewish believers, what a weird bunch. We always thought they were a little weird following that Rabbi Yeshua, and this is the proof that they're weird. Quickly, he has to grab it and he has to say, no, we're not drunk. It's not weird. This is directly what the prophets say would happen. I need you to realize it so that you also can have what we have. And he's doing it in real time. He's explaining it to them. He's explaining it in real time so that they will understand that the present day realities mean God has just taken away their sins. Present day reality. Enough of the running around and the, the sacrificing and the trying to be good and the davening prayers and everything you could think that you need to do and Peter's going, no, 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 listen. Jeremiah said there will be a day when all your sins are taken away. That's today. Pay attention. Be alert. This is the day. It's not weird. This is the day. Remember, the Bible said that the Spirit of God would come out of heaven and it would come all over us and inside of us. That's today. Don't miss this opportunity. And that's the selling point that gets these religious people to waken their spirit and say, you're right. We remember that. We've been waiting for this. We want this. It's in real time. He's trying to get them to understand that as he's explaining it, their relationship with God is not something in the past. It's in the present. God's relationship with us, friends, is not only in the past. It's in the present. It's right now. We got a great testimony this week. We believe in miracles here. We believe in praying for the sick and expecting miracles. We believe in all of the gifts of the spirit, the power gifts, the leadership gifts, the manifestation gifts. We believe in all of them. We also believe that not all of them are written down in the Bible and that there could be more. We believe in talents. We believe in skills and giftings. We believe in destiny that God has created in each one of us. This week, we got a great message that one of our friends we've been praying for who just had cancer, leukemia in the bone marrow after prayer went back to the doctor they told him 
you have 0% cancer in your bone marrow. Now, that's a great testimony. We don't get credit for that. All we did was do what God said, pray for the sick. That's the kind of power you want with you. It's not something to study only or to hear about only from someone else. You might say, Pastor Chad, I, I love when you give us those testimonies, but it doesn't happen to me. It will. It will. It has to. Because God is not a respecter of persons. You were included in Acts 1 verse 8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It wasn't, well, most of you will receive power, and some of you who don't dress so well, you will not receive the same power. It wasn't broken out like, listen, those of you who eat meat, sorry. The vegans, they get the power. God didn't separate it like this. He said to every believer, you will receive power. And your job is to believe that in faith and keep telling God, I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. I can tell you a long list of stories from healings that happened, miracles that happened, demons cast out. We believe in all of it because we were never expected to be believers without power. If you've been trying to live the believer life on your intelligence and your understanding of scripture only, you've misunderstood the gospel. You were never expected to live this life without power. And that's our key phrase for the night. God never expected for us to live a believing life in the kingdom without an experience with him. You know, Peter was emphasizing Yeshua being the living word, 1 Peter 1, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, though the live, through the living and enduring word of God. It's alive, it's in front of you, it's happening now. When you pray, God is leaning in, he's listening, he's paying attention, he's sending angels all around you to help. This is an active relationship and it's meant to be carried with power. And I've seen so many miracles. I've seen some incredible ones. I've seen some crazy ones. And just like Peter, there were some times I had to quickly grab it and be like, okay, it's not weird. Everybody relax. It's not weird. Let me bring it into the prophecy fulfillment category. I ever tell you all the story where we were heading to New York to be with Rob Stearns on a, a youth and young adult trip with about 30 of us, and the, and the, and the cars and the, and the vans wouldn't start. That's one thing if one of them doesn't start. You're like, oh, okay, he's a little tune-up. All of them? Come on. And we were just sitting there like, well, we are scheduled to leave in about eight minutes. And you know me, I try to be on time. So I said, uh, team, what should we do? They're like, I don't know. I, I'm not a mechanic. I don't know what to do. I said, well, let's pray. You're going to think I'm weird. 
I laid my hand on the car. And I was like, car, I take authority over you. God gave me authority and you need to listen to me. In the name of Yeshua, fix yourself and start. Now I had to turn the key and hope that everything I'd put into that prayer worked or I was gonna be really embarrassed. Praise God, it started. Turned the key and it started. Then the kids got excited. They were like, well, pray for the other van. Everybody got around the van. Lord bless this van. And the van started right up. I saw a deaf kid get healed when I laid my hands on him and I, he was blind also. And I was praying for his sight to be restored. And his ears got healed. I always remind myself that's how much God actually needs me. I was on the wrong prayer, but my heart was in the right place. I was like, Lord, bless his eyes. Get rid of this cancer. Heal this boy. He was 16. He had already lost one eye. I was like, God, he's not losing this other eye. In the name of Yeshua, heal him. And he screams, I can hear. You were never meant to live the believing life without power. And we're going to turn this home. There are some times that you're living in the moment and you need to realize you're living in the moment. Like there's other times in sports that you can be in what they call the zone. You ever see a basketball player who's just on fire? Like anything Steph Curry throws up, it's going in. It doesn't matter. When he's in the zone, he's in the zone. And the player will tell you, I don't know I'm in the zone until later when I'm out of the zone. And I can't make anything and I realize, man, that was fun to be in the zone back then. That's not how God wants us to live. He doesn't want you to look back at something to realize it. He wants you to know you're in it right now. That's what Peter's trying to get them to do. He's saying, guys, Everybody hold up. We're in the middle of it right now. The new covenant, that's today. Forgiveness of sin, that's today. The Holy Spirit given, that's today. Power from on high, that's today, guys. Be in the moment, in real time with us. Because that's how God wants us to live, as new covenant believers. I was building a house with my dad one time. And my dad's a master carpenter. He has been all of his life. And we were doing this really steep pitch roof And most of us, on the, when the roof gets really steep, we put little boards on the bottom so you don't fall off. It's called a toe board. Put your toe on the board so you don't fall off the roof. Not my dad. When you're that good, you don't need toe boards. And he just climbs it up like, if I fall, I fall, you know. And we're putting down this felt roof paper. And he grabs this box of na square nails. If you've ever seen a square nail, sharpest thing. They will cut you up and down. Most of us wear gloves to grab the nails. That's how sharp they are when they cut you on the corners. Not my dad. Doesn't, doesn't need a toe board, doesn't need gloves. Grabs a handful of these nails, they lay out the felt paper, and with one shot, he hammers in over 200 nails without missing. Pop, 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 pop. 
never missed, never tore, didn't fall, didn't cut himself. And I said to him at lunch that day, I said, are you just showing off, like, just to show us that we can't do that? He goes, no. He says, after about the first 10, I know I'm in the zone. And once I know I'm in the zone, I just keep going. And I, I think that's what Peter's trying to get them to do. Guys, you're in the zone right now. That's why he focused the sermon in the way he did. I'd ask you tonight. What prophetic moments are you in the middle of? Because I guarantee you're in the middle of them. You might say, nothing's coming to mind, Pastor Chad. I don't, nothing is jumping out at me. Well, you know, you, you, you're here tonight, right? You're in the land of Israel, right? You're in the city of Jerusalem, right? You're in a congregation of Jew and Gentile believers tonight, right? All of that is prophecy fulfilled. I'm trying to get you to realize that you're in the middle of it right now. The return of the people by the thousands every month. That's prophecy being fulfilled. The rise of the Gentile believers to partner with the Jewish believers. That's prophesied about, Romans 9, 10, 11. But so was the rise of wickedness, celebration of evil in the streets. You're living it right now. The unification of the body. God is making a big turn on this right now. Let me, let me make sure you get this. Next Sunday, when we finish the prayer cycle, we will be joining 110 million people around the world who've committed to pray for Israel, the Jewish people, and the Arabic people in our region for salvation. That has never happened in the history of the world. It's happening in real time. You are getting a chance to be part of it in real time. And I need you to realize that. Because what comes along with that is power, miracles, fruit, new believers, discipleship, the Great Commission. It's unfortunate that there's another prophecy happening right now, Matthew chapter 13. It talks about the farmer's field, good seed was sown, wheat, back to the harvest festival, wheat was growing up. And then an enemy came and sowed weeds in the good soil, in the farmer's field. That's the kingdom representation. And it says that from that point on, wheat and weeds grew together in the kingdom. Guys, you're living this out right now. It's happening in front of you. As much as we are unifying on one part of the body, we are being sifted on the other part of the body. I'm not here to accuse anybody or give a bad name, but there are plenty of fellowships, churches, and denominations around the world who no longer believe in the same Yeshua we believe in. They no longer believe in the same Bible we believe in. They no longer believe in the laws of God, holy living, righteousness, Holy Spirit empowerment. They no longer believe in these things. And that's a weed growing up, pretending it's part of the body. That was prophesied in your day and it's happening now. Would you stand to your feet? Let me bless you. Prayer team, if you could come on down as well. Present yourself. Hallelujah. Father, 
What a great day you've given us of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, the giving of the law, the giving of your spirit, the harvest festival, the first fruits. Let it sink deep into our spirits tonight, God. That we are living out prophecy right now in real time. Let us not be tricked by the evil one to say we're not part of the story or it will never happen to us. It's happening to us right now. And I release the power of the Holy Spirit in this house that if you've never received the Holy Spirit in a greater measure, it is your gift tonight. If you've never received your prayer language, it is your gift tonight. If you've never received working of miracles, discernment, dreams, interpretations, it is your gift tonight. It was never meant only for someone else. It was meant for you. Receive it tonight. An open heart of faith and trust because God never expected you to live a believer's life without power. In Yeshua's name we pray that. Amen. Amen. Prayer team, please come help.